Thank you so much for leading us this morning. If you got your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. A new pastor was out making some visits, and he was trying to see all of the people in his church. And so he went to several doors and, and had some great visits. Well, he came to this one house, and he, he noticed there was a car in the driveway, noticed some lights were on. He could hear the TV going, and so he came up to the door, and he began to knock on the door. He knew somebody was home, but nobody would come to the door. So he thought, all right, I'll just uh, take out my business card, and I'm going to write a verse on the back. So he wrote Revelation 3.20 on the back and put it in the door. The woman who was owned the house, she came to the door uh, after he had left and got the card out of the door and looked at the back of it, and it said Revelation 3.20. So she went and looked up the verse, and it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So she thought, all right. So Sunday she got up and went to church. She took that card with her and she wrote another verse on the back of it and placed it in the offering plate. And so as she did that, the pastor got it. The ushers were diligent in getting the card to him. And the back of the card under Revelation 3.20 read Genesis 3.10. So the pastor thought, well, I need to go see what that says. And the verse, Genesis 3.10 says, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> if your neighbor's not laughing, reach over and make sure they're awake. It's okay, we can laugh in church. Friends, see if this story sounds anything like something you have felt. A young lady is somewhat uncomfortable in her spiritual life. She believes in God. She belongs to a church. She goes to that church as often as she can, pretty much weekly. When she's there, she gives money in the offering. And yet, every time she leaves, she still feels emptiness and confused. She sits on the church pew week after week and listens to sermon after sermon, but yet she can almost sleep through the messages. She prays many times and asks God for many things, but she's not sure that her prayers are being answered or if they're just stuck in the outbox. During the greeting time, she shakes hands and smiles with other believers, but on the inside, she doesn't really care. She sings all the songs, reads the words off the screen. She even claps her hands and maybe raises her hands during praise and worship. Yet all the things that she's doing just are mechanical. She can't feel the touch of the Holy Spirit in her life. After each service, she leaves and she wonders, what's wrong with me? Am I even really saved? Am I even a Christian? What must I do to experience the real touch of God in my life? And I wonder today how many of us, we wouldn't say that out loud, but how many of us are there? You come and you go through the motions week after week and we, we come and we do the Easter thing and we come and we, we sing the songs because it's what we put on the screen and that's what we're supposed to do. Or maybe you're the bulletin person and you're checking the bulletin off. And lo and behold, we change a song or we move something around. and <gasps> We come and we go through it, but when we leave and we get in our cars and we go to lunch, we're as empty as we were when we walked in the door. 
And maybe you, you, you pray and you go, God, do you even hear me? And you think, man, am I normal? I know I've asked Jesus Christ into my heart. I know I have followed him in baptism. I know he is my Lord and Savior. So there's got to be more. So I ask you this morning, does that sound anything like where you are in life? You don't have to say yes out loud. Many of us, if we can't say yes to that today, have been able to say yes to it at some point in our life. If we're just honest. Can, can I just say, sometimes I believe we in church, we put on our spiritual pants, we put on this fake face, we come in here and we do the thing and we go out and we're as broken as ever. And nobody ever knows because we just put on that fake face. But I believe it's high time that church starts being an honest place where we can come together and say, you know what, I'm broken. I'm messed up just like everybody else is messed up. Maybe I'm the only one that's messed up. But we ought to be able to come in this place and know, you know what, I'm not going to get beat up and kicked while I'm down. But we've grown so accustomed to playing the game. And this morning, as I said earlier in the very opening of the service, Scripture today tells us that Jesus is standing there going, let me in. I, I want to come in. Will somebody answer the door? Will somebody get up and answer the door? You say, Jared, I've heard this passage preached to non-believers. With all due respect to whoever you've heard preach that, this verse is not written to non-believers. The verse we're looking at today in Revelation chapter 3 is written to the church at Laodicea. It's in John's Revelation. And he's, Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea. And so we need to understand, it, he, he's talking to the church and to church people. And so this morning, we're just going to get real for a little while. And we're going to look, we're going to read here in just a moment. We're going to read Revelation 3. And we're going to keep the verse in context. And we're going to really just hone in, take a magnifying glass to verse 20. And I want to share with us this morning the truth that God is knocking today. You have the choice whether you're going to get up and answer the door or not. But if you'll choose to answer the door, and you'll choose to invite him in, there is a very real promise that comes when we open the door. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the very first thing you've got to do, I'm telling you, you're here today, not by accident. Jesus is really knocking on your heart's door, and he wants to be your Savior. But looking through the crowd today, I know... I know a lot of you, I know a lot of your stories, I know we're, a lot of us are, are home folks. It's the week after Easter. We come from a, a high attendance day on Easter, oftentimes to a, a lower attendance day the next week. And so as I look around the room, I know most of us, or a lot of us are, are, are home folks today. And so as, as, as the Lord has laid this message on me, I'm preaching it as, as a messenger, as a, a, a person that loves the bride of Christ. I love our church. I, I, I can't explain to you how much I love our church, our local church. There's nowhere else I'd rather be this morning right here than right here standing on this stage preaching this word to each of you. 
but as I say that, know that it might get a little uncomfortable this morning. I'm being honest. Preacher's not angry. I'm just going to lay it out there. And then you get to decide what to do with it. So if you'd stand with me out of respect of reading God's word. If you haven't turned me off yet, hang with me. Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. says, And the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot, so that because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and, and, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, I pray now more earnestly than I ever have if I stand in this pulpit this morning. I'm an empty vessel. I ask your Holy Spirit to fill me that the words that come out of this mouth would be yours. And Lord, I pray for each and every heart in this place. God, I pray that they would be fertile soil, that they would be willing to answer the call this morning and be obedient. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it not only applied when it was written, but it applies today and it's going to apply tomorrow because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So now, Lord, come. Talk to us. Convict us where we need conviction. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Father, whatever you do, don't leave us the same. It's in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Very simply this morning, if you're taking notes, Jesus is knocking at the door. Jesus is knocking at the door. He, he comes and he says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. As I said just a few moments ago, this verse is directed at the church at Laodicea, so we know it's directed at believers. We, most of us, when we think of Revelation chapter 3, we, we understand Revelation chapter 3, um, where, where it says, you're neither hot nor cold. We, we, we think about that verse all the time. We can quote that verse, and we, we begin to un, unfold that verse. But friends, this verse in verse 20 is just as important. As he says, listen, I'm there. I'm waiting for you. I'm just knocking. You see, the context here demands that Christ is seeking to enter the church that bore his name but lacked true believers. Listen this morning, friends. We can come and we can walk through the motions. We can come and we can do our thing. And, and we can miss 
the whole thing. We can miss the point. And the point every time we gather together, the point every time we gather together is to be in the presence of Almighty God. It's not about the music. It's not about the preacher. It's not about how much of this we do or that we do. We get so wrapped up and enamored with the things that don't really matter. But the truth is, friends, the, the honest to goodness thing that we are here for today is to be in the presence of God. If not, it's nothing more than a religious ceremony. And it's a waste of our time. We're all busy folks. Every one of us could be doing something else right now. It's a beautiful day out there. For some of you, you'd rather be driving across that new bridge out there. It's there. It's, man, it's good. It's, how many of y'all driven across it already? It's been open less than 24 hours. Look, yeah. Yeah, I bet last night they had more traffic than it'll have in a month. I'm not going to ask you how many of you drove down there multiple times yesterday to see if it was open. We did. <laughs> Whoops, it wasn't open yet. You know, it, it's funny, that, that little stuff, we get excited about that, and we should. I mean, we, we should be excited about it. We're thankful that they, they've taken care of it and done that. But, but we, we, as we come today, we have a lot to be excited about. As we come today, we need to understand that God desires for us to do more than just come in and sit and soak it up and leave here in a little while. And talk about what people wore, talk about who was there or not there, or what we didn't sing or that we had to stand so long or, 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 or that the preacher was wearing a suit or not wearing a suit or, 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 or that we didn't do this or we did do that. or It doesn't matter. Jesus says, I want to get in. And if we want to live true believers' lives set apart, which is what Scripture calls us to, we must understand that Jesus is at the door knocking and trying to get our attention. It was written several hundred years ago to this church, but I believe, actually close to 2,000 years ago for this church, but we need to understand that it applies to us today. Tony Evans said, there are many churches who are meeting together every Sunday in the name of Jesus, but he is not really there. Man, that ought to make us cringe. It doesn't matter whether we're here for a Wednesday night Bible study, a Sunday morning service, or heaven forbid we come back for a Sunday night service. Our, our, our goal ought to be that Jesus Christ be a part of the service. Have you ever been a part of one of those services that, that God just messed it up? Maybe the preacher didn't even preach. We can all, it cracks me up every time you talk about somebody about, well, have you ever been a service where God moved? Yeah, and the preacher didn't even preach. So I guess if one day I don't get up and preach, we'll know the Spirit's moving. I want us to know before that. I pray every week, just so y'all know, I pray every week, Lord, if I'm not supposed to say what I'm studied and got ready to say, would you just supernaturally shut my mouth? I, that's, that's, that's my words. I'm not trying to be crash or harsh, I'm just telling you. I don't want to say something I'm not supposed to say. I don't want to get up here and do something. I, Lord, I want, Lord, I want you to wreck it today. Have your way. You're welcome in this place. 
Luke chapter 12, verses 35 and 36 says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Are you ready for Jesus to come in? Are you ready for him? Are you, are you, man, are they here? Are they here? You ever have somebody come into your house? And you're like, are they there yet? Are they? Oh, I think I heard a car door. Are they there? No, 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 not, not yet. No? Y'all don't have people come to your house? That's the way we ought to be with Jesus. Hey, we're ready. Whenever you want to come, we're ready. We're ready. So Jesus is standing there knocking at the door. The second thing this morning is this. Will you open the door? We have kids. So it's easy if somebody comes to the door of the parsonage, knocks on the door. Usually we don't have to say anything because they're beelining it to the front door. Fighting over who's going to open the door. But there's times that that may not happen. And so if I'm sitting there in my chair, all you men have a chair, I know. You're sitting there and that doorbell rings. What's your first response? Somebody get the door. Or, hey, somebody's at the door. Yes, we know the doorbell rang. Hey, Braden, would you go get the door? We're waiting for somebody else to get the door. I mean, after all, that's why we had kids, right? Back in the day, whenever I was growing up, my parents had kids to change the TV channel. Some of y'all may not realize this. We've not always had remote controls. Remote controls were eight-year-old boys. Some of y'all know. And you didn't walk up there and push a button. You had a knob to turn. And unless you were, well, we weren't rich, but you even had some things sticking on top of the TV that looked kind of like this. And every once in a while, you'd have to move it to get a good picture. Y'all, Some of y'all know what I'm talking about here. Some of y'all never know the struggle. You cry because the bad weather and the satellite gets knocked out. You're like, oh, what are we going to do? And you try to stand up there and hold that antenna so somebody can watch TV. You don't know nothing. We're waiting for somebody else to do it, though. We're waiting for somebody. We think, hey, somebody else will do it. He said, Jerry, what are you, what's your point with this? The deal is, is that God desires for each one of us to answer the door. Can I tell you something? My wife can't answer the door for Jesus to be in my life. She can't. She can pray for me. My son can't answer the door for Jesus to come into my life. For me to allow him to work in me and change me and do what he wants to do in me. I have to do it myself. The English artist Holman Hunt attempted to put this idea in, in, a, in a painting. So he, he pictured Christ standing at the door. He painted that. When he first painted the picture, he invited all of his friends, his artist friends, to, to criticize the picture. And one of them looked at it and said, Holman, you have left off the most important part of the door. You left off the handle. Hunt looked at that gentleman and said, listen, the door, this door is a picture of the human heart and the handle of the door is on the inside. Friends, whenever we get comfortable in church and we come and we just do religiosity, we, we, we kind of check it off our list and we just go about our business, the door handle's on the inside, and we serve a God 
who is not a bully God. We serve a God who's not going to bust his way in the door. That's what a thief does. That's what a thief does. Jesus stands there. And if we say no, he says, okay. At some point, he's going to say, okay, fine. We don't serve a God who is bully. Listen, he's not the thief that's going to bust in. That's what Satan does. Listen to John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, I am the door. Some of your translations say, I am the gate. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And verse 10 says this. We, we quote it often, verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, the thief busts his way in. But Jesus just says, hey, would you answer? Invite me in. When I think of this, I can't help but think back to 1 Samuel chapter 3. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, you know that it's the calling of Samuel. Samuel's laying there in bed and he hears, Samuel. And he gets up and says, Eli, was that you? Did you call me? Nope. Wasn't me. So Samuel does what any good boy did. He goes back and lays down. And he hears it again. Samuel. And he gets up and goes, Eli, did you call me? Said, nope. Wasn't me. Must be God talking to me. Goes back and lays down and hears it again. And he says, speak for your servant is listening. He answered the door. This morning, can I tell you this? Nine times out of ten, at least this is the way it is in my life, when he comes to the door knocking, he's not going to come loud and rambunctious. He's not going to come just pounding on us. In my life, it's always sweet and soft, and I have to stop and listen. He's at the door. Will you answer? We must decide individually that we're going to answer his call. Here's the warning this morning, church. We've got to get up out of our chair. Get up out of the lazy boy and go to the door yourself. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, says, Why do some persons find God in a way that others do not? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggling along in the half-light of imperfect Christian experience? Of course, the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within the household. All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. The difference lies not with God, but with us. He's knocking. Will you answer? If you'll answer, the result, thirdly, the result of answering the door is this. He says, I will come in to him. And I will eat with him. And he with me. Some translations say, I will eat with him and he with me and we will be friends. Ooh, I like that. Listen, 
the result of answering the door is this, the presence of Jesus. Mm. I think we've missed the presence of Jesus for so long. A lot of us and in a lot of churches. That it almost seems fanatical to even talk about it. Well, can I tell you it's about time we become a little more fanatical about it? If we want to be breakout followers of Jesus, if we want to be true followers of Jesus and be a church that, that, that is who he calls us to be, that city on the hill, the, the, that light into the darkness of Winniewood, God, as God desires us to be, we must, we absolutely must not miss Jesus. We've got to have his presence. Oh, think back to Exodus. This isn't in here. Just come to me. Think back to Exodus when Moses says, God, if you're not going to go with us, we're not going to go. That's what we ought to say every service. That ought to be our prayer every service. Lord, if you're not in here, we don't want it. There are a lot of essentials for life. Think about it. If you're going to make bread, what do you have to have? Dough. If you're going to fly 30,000 feet above the ground and live, what do you have to have? An airplane. If you're going to drive your car, you got to have gas. You're also supposed to have a driver's license. If you're going to think, you got to have a brain. If you're going to eat, there's an essential to eating. You got to have food. That's exactly right. You got to have food. If we're going to be true, spirit filled believers, We've got to have Jesus. Romans 13, 14, I'm almost finished. It says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Exodus chapter 3, you can go back and read it for yourself. I was going to read it for us, but for the sake of time. Exodus chapter 3, when Moses comes to the burning bush, he sees God's presence. How? Because the bush isn't burning up. And the voice comes out of the bush. That's a story I've always loved. I don't know about you, I've never seen a talking bush. Y'all still awake this morning? This voice comes out of the bush and says, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take your sandals off. The presence was there. You see, the presence of God can be anywhere. The presence of God isn't in here because this is a church building. It's not in here because we put a name on the outside of it. It's not in here because we come and we sing songs. It's not in here because we have a guy stand up here and holler and snort and stomp his foot and knock on a pulpit. He's not in here because of any of that. He's in here. The presence of God is in here because he's standing there knocking and we say, come on in. We want you in here. You are welcome in this place. And because we say that and because we mean that in our heart, he comes in, he sits with us, he listens to us, he changes us, he talks to us, he whispers to us, he loves on us when we need to be loved on, he encourages us, he convicts us, he gives us what we need. John 14 and 23, Jesus answered him, says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments or my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and we will make our home with him. Mark Batterson said this, you cannot be in the presence of God and bored at the same time. You 
you cannot be in the presence of God and bored at the same time. Can I just get real with you for just a second? And we're closing. Have you sat there bored this whole service? If not, some of you need to tell your face. I'm going to get in trouble, and that's fine. Some of us come in here every week, and we look like we are bored out of our ever-loving mind. We look like we would rather be in a nursing home than here, or a hospital. And I know some of you are going to say, oh, Brother Jared, I just whenever you say that, what do you want us to do? I don't know what I want. I, I want you to do what God wants you to do, but we've got to quit being bored with what we're doing here. He's standing there. We can't be bored if he's here because he's the king of kings. We can't be bored if we're here, if he's here. He's the Lord of lords. He speaks to us. He meets us at the very place we are. But without him, eh, another word service, eh, where are we going for lunch? Wish he'd hurry up. Hear me, I'm not trying to offend you this morning. Not, I'm not. My job is to equip the saints, but my job is also to warn us. And the day is drawing near when he's going to step out on the cloud. That trumpet's going to sound, and some of us are going. And there's nothing more that I want than for all of us in this room to come. But I'm afraid some of us have just gone through the motions. I got the pleasure of hearing Bobby Bowden speak this weekend at the men's retreat at Falls Creek. 89 years old. And he told this story yesterday. And I'll close with this story. He played baseball in college. Didn't know that about Bobby Bowden. He was the coach of Florida State for many, many years. 60 plus years as a head football coach. He told this story as he played baseball. He said he, he wasn't a good baseball. He couldn't hit the ball very well. He said he always hit it on the ground. He said a lot of the guys on his team had hit a home run. He had never hit a home run, but he came to this one game, and, and he hit the ball, and it got through the infield and into the outfield. And so he ran. He, he took off running. And so he hit first base, and he's looking at his coach like any good baseball player or softball player does. They're watching their first base coach, and the coach is waving him on. So he goes from first and he takes off running towards second and he's automatically looking to third base to look for his third base coach. He's figuring his coach is going to put his hands up and stop him there. But his coach is, come, come on. And he's like, man, I'm going to get me a triple out of this. There's no way. So he takes off running. He's still watching his coach to see if his coach is going to tell him to slide or to go ahead and just stop right there at third. But he gets almost to third and his coach says, go. And he's like, I'm going to give me a home run out of this deal. So he rounds third, and he says, I remember my coach saying, hurry, bud. <laughs> he said, I rounded third, and I made it home. He said, I could see the catcher standing in front of the plate ready to catch the ball. And he said, I got to home plate. I tagged home plate. And he said, man, here I am. I'm, I'm, I, he said, I dove into home plate. I stand up. I'm dusting myself off. I got myself a home run. Here comes my team out there. They're, they're, he said, they didn't have high fives back in that day. They shook hands. He said, they were out there shaking my hand. They were out there just congratulating me. And he said, he hears the first baseman yelling, hey, throw me the ball. 
Throw me the ball. So the catcher threw the ball to the first baseman. He forgot to touch first base. He went all the way through the motions and made it home, but it didn't count. Some of us today go through the motions, and we're going to make it. And Scripture says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter. with me this morning. I can't answer for us, church. John can't answer for you, students. Husbands, you can't answer for your wife, and wives, you can't answer for your husband. Kids, your parents can't answer for you. You have to answer the door yourself. First, by salvation, but secondly, by inviting him to be a part of your life every day. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's up to you told you it was going to get uncomfortable and I hope and pray that God eased that it's not my intent but the truth is church many of us today are just walking through the motions every week and therefore we are not the bride that God desires us to be you say man this isn't going to fill any pews for you that's not what I'm about Colossians 1.28 tells us that we ought to seek to make everyone mature, to present everyone mature in Christ. I'm warning and, 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 and teaching to present everyone mature in Christ. That's my goal. And so I call us this morning. You say, where's the door? The altar. It's a great deal. He says, anyone who opens the door... Not I might come in. Not all I'll think about coming in. Not I want you to come to the porch with me. He says, I'll come in. And eat with him. Old King James says, sup with him. I want Jesus to just sup with me. What about you? 